Big Fluff. What's going on here? Hello? What are you doing here? It's your day off. Oh, I thought they were late. I'm with a friend. It's her birthday. I want a cake. No, no cake. You're a chef. You can make cakes, right? No. Okay, that's Rebecca. Tony. Tony, what's going on? What's going on? Chef Lily didn't want to stay at home today because it's her birthday, so Tony said if I brought her into work, he'd watch her during service. And she wants a fucking birthday cake, okay? So, make a cake. Good. I've had better. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's still food month because November is the only month where you're allowed to eat food. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, we're back in the kitchen with a chef movie. Uh, and this time it's burnt. Yeah, burnt. Yeah, burnt. I was very disappointed to discover that this wasn't like one of those Lorne Michael produced adaptations of the Seth Meyers sketch where he says you burnt. I think we I think I watched the wrong movie. Oh, is that what you watched? <laughs> I just want I just went found this YouTube playlist of all of them. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, that's the silver lining right there. Like those are and delightful. That's what I was. So that sounded like Bradley Cooper on the clip that you played. It, it was Bradley Cooper. And Daniel Bruhl. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, like, it sounded like Sienna, Sienna Miller. Miller was, I think I recognized yeah, was her there. voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're very good yeah. at this. It's a skill. Huh. Yeah. I got an ear. What can I say? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just watched a bunch of uh, You Burnt Bits. Some of them interesting. By the way, some have said that you have two ears. They're lying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just yeah. one. Yeah. So I know we watched uh, You Burnt, mm -hmm. which is a movie about a chef named Adam Jones. And he chefs it up. He Nobody chefs it up more in this movie than Adam Jones. Yeah, he does chef it the most. Which maybe, you know, this is a fun place to start. Let's start here with the fact that this film was like one of those in production forever, you know, kind of. Yeah, it, it had a little development hell to it. And the original name for it was, in fact, Chef, but it was in development for so long <laughs> that the John Favreau movie Chef uh, beat it to the punch. Uh, yeah, because it was it was in development since 2007 and uh, basically. Uh, there was a lawsuit that happened like Sony cleared the title chef and the chef with the MPAA because they originally owned the movie uh, and they tried to get the the company that owned Favreau's movie to change it. Um, but they just did it anyway. In 2014, they came out with chef and then, uh, yeah, the Weinstein company ended up buying this movie, the rights to it and changing it to burnt. So, yeah. So there you go. I think it's hilarious that there was a, a fight over like such a genetic. It reminds me of if you remember when Spike TV was a thing and then Spike Lee tried to sue them over the word Spike. 
it reminds me of when the World Wildlife Fund mm-hmm. sued the World Wrestling Federation yeah. for having the same initials. Yes. Yeah. All of these things just being generic for things. 20 years. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the WWF, WWE like whole thing was particularly ridiculous because, yeah, they waited a real long time uh, to be mad about that. However, it did produce a shirt that I wish I still had that someone made where it was the pandas from the World Wildlife Oh, that's a Fund. great shirt. Yeah. yeah, with the steel I've chair. Shirt. I'm, yeah. I've almost bought it a few times. I bought it and then in the moves that I've had in my life, I, I lost it somewhere along the way. But it's a good shirt. Uh, yeah, and, but I mean, yes, yeah, Chef. It's, it's a movie about a chef. We got to call it Chef. I, I'll just say to start off, too, I'm glad that movie won because that movie is great and we would not yeah, talk I really about like it. Yeah, I really like Chef. It's really fun. It's really heartwarming. And, uh, yeah, love Favreau, Favreau. Leguizamo, good job acting. Yeah, also one of the, the nerdy things that that movie got me into and then that has been nice since I moved to L.A. is just learning more about Roy Choi and uh, Kogi because he was a consultant on the movie. Like right. he actually taught Favreau all this stuff. But then they have a delightful show called The Chef's Show, uh, not called The Burnt Show uh, on Netflix, which is also great where they just cook stuff together. And so I'm very glad all of that happened. Yes. Just want to I, say I, would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Also, Burnt is a bad title. I mean, it almost it feels like it's something, but it's not like because maybe he's burnt out. I don't know. He's burnt. Not that he's burnt bridges. Closer. Yeah. Burnt bridges is the forgotten third brother of Jeff and Bo. Yeah. People don't know that. It's uh, Lloyd's illegitimate son. Burnt. (laughs) Uh, It was supposed to be Bert, but then there was a typo on his birth certificate. Burnt Bridges. So it's Burnt Bridges. Uh, (laughs) Which is also like part of it came from the fact that that's how Jeff Bridges would often say it when uh, either being his character from the first Iron Man. Or uh, what was the I can't remember the western that he did the oh uh, when he played uh, Rooster Cogburn yeah in True Grit yeah <laughs> yeah His, that's that's Jeff Bridges trademark mouthful of coleslaw <laughs> acting that he he really pioneered <laughs> oh there are so many choices to finish that mouthful of phrase I think coleslaw was the right <laughs> one. <laughs> Especially if you just think about like the shooting a western, so it's all outside, like on a horse, and he's, <laughs> he's just, just got hot mayoey coleslaw in his mouth <laughs> at all times. Yeah, fill your hands with salt, bitch. <laughs> Tony Stark made coleslaw in a cave with scraps, scraps, <laughs> scraps of cabbage. <laughs> And then Daniel Bruhl popped Um, in and was like, I'm not Tony Stark. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get back to Burnt. Oh, do we have to? Let's talk. We got to. Okay. Uh, We've spent a long time in this podcast avoiding mediocre dramas. We've done a good job. We really test our metal. Yeah, we've had a surprising run. I think because they're usually they hit that spot where it's like. Uh, there, there's, it doesn't feel like there's enough to talk. Like, they're just like, you're kind of like, yeah, okay. I get it. <laughs> uh, my sentiments exactly. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I also, I mean, 
I think dramas get too much credit in the first place. Like, I'll just start there of like, I think comedy does not get enough credit. And in fact, oftentimes people take comedic things that are really smart and well executed and then they make a serious version of it. And then that receives a lot of praise that like more praise than the comedic You're still thing. still mad about this Black Mirror episode. I'm mad about the Black Mirror uh, Meow Meow Beans episode. I'm also pointing at succession versus arrested development. Like there's a long history of Hollywood being very blown away when uh, they do a serious version of a comedic thing that was already. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I will say. It is, I think, significantly harder to make a comedy that one hits when it comes out and two has staying power than it is to make a drama that does the same thing. Yeah, well, it's also I mean, nobody like everybody loves to talk about that. Like if it's a Marvel movie or if it's a Fast and Furious, like everybody jumps to be like, oh, it's so formulaic. Oh, it's all paint by numbers. And it's like we don't talk enough about how paint by numbers serious dramas can be. You know, because they there's beats, there's things that you know, and there's you know everything has a formula, everything has, but there's sort of the expected. These are the serious parts of the serious drama, and this movie certainly is guilty of a lot of that. Of like, this is the scene where the important thing happens. He's making a cake for a little kid. He's changing, I guess, maybe because he's making a cake. He's putting aside all of his duties as executive chef of a high end hotel Wait, restaurant. Yeah. Which you bake I, a cake, which is no matter how good you are at baking a cake, a time consuming process, which also raises a lot of questions that uh, Molly and I both had while watching it, which is like one. Uh, do, do they have a like a pastry chef? Is there any kind of like he says something about sorbet? Do they serve desserts at this restaurant is one. We never see a pastry chef Two. OK, so he makes it. Maybe you understand. Maybe there's eggs and flour and sugar. Maybe the ingredients for cake. He clearly had like piping bags. That he did fancy icing. Oh, there was like ice roses, icing roses. There was where, it was where, a cake. Where did that stuff come from? What, that's just there. They keep that on hand. Yeah, didn't have the pastry chef whip her up a cake because that restaurant had a pastry chef. But that's what I'm saying. Have. Like, yeah, that would have made sense. Or I actually love Molly had a great idea, which is like it would have been funny if they just made him make like a Betty Crocker cake like if he's just following the instruction and he's getting mad like ah oh, fuck this like <laughs> you know? two eggs and a quarter cup of oil <laughs> yeah like he's just angrily making a sheet cake like from the grocery <laughs> <Canola>. store <laughs> you just see him going to ralph's yeah yeah and then just yeah just like <laughs> why these instructions make no sense like i can't can't do what they want me to do <laughs> like just turning over the bowl like that would have been great well, th and th there's a, that's just a series of inconsistencies, because at one point in the movie, he's praising Burger King for consistency and edibility what and then proceeds the to make the douchiest menu in the world. What was that scene that that weird Burger King scene was, it was Burger King ponied up some money to get in the movie, I guess. And then they were like, look, we're only going to be in the movie if you say that we're as good as fine dining. <laughs> That's how they paid for everything. But like, yeah, that scene does not fit with the arrogant, like, you know, fancy boy chef that he is in every yeah, other. Mr. Hot Cuisine. Yeah. Adam Jones. And in fact, like, is so old fashioned 
in his approach that other chefs are making fun of him of like not being modern enough anymore. And he, also, he doesn't seem to know what sous vide is. <laughs> like, Sam, or he seems to hate it. But he also like there is a scene where Sienna Miller like is literally explaining the concept to him. And he's like, what are these condoms like where he is acting like the concept of it blows his mind, which like you're a classically trained chef. This came up at some point. And sous vide is not new. That's what I'm saying. It's it, yeah. And it's like he's a French, like classic French trained chef. And those words are very French. Like you, he lived in France. Like Yes, he lied his way into the kitchen of Jean-Luc. I have questions about that, too, by the way, because he says I assume it. Picard. I don't know. Yes. Well, definitely Picard. But my question is, lied his way into the kitchen. What does that mean? Like, because for I mean, you you talked about this on last week. So you, like, you have experience like in a restaurant. It's not that hard to get like a restaurant job if you don't care what the job is. So like if you wanted to wash dishes in that restaurant or something like. Yeah, that's it, no different than any dishwasher anywhere but but the qualifications still, like, are the same but that's what i mean so those jobs he could get and then he could have worked his way up but like yeah lying suggests that what did he like say like did he invent a resume and then he like yeah, got did he hired have, like a forged cia diploma and then did he get hired as like the sous chef like what what does that mean to lie your way into a kitchen like, like he lied he lie his way to saucier when he didn't know what that was right that's what i like i felt like that needed more explanation lied his way how <laughs> like well yeah and that's i think another problem with this movie is i think to really care about his redemption you needed to see his fall yeah i think i'll say that in a different way, but the same thing, which is, I don't like this character. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that they are capturing a person that exists. Like, I, I think he reads yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. I mean, Gordon Ramsay, who like, yeah, uh, they openly kind of like, did, did he consult on the film? I know he that did the, consult yeah, on yeah, the that's movie. What I thought. But like, yeah. So obviously this guy exists. This kind of culture exists. There's a there's a weird hierarchy. Uh, in kitchens where you have to call the head chef chef and that they're allowed to be terrible to you. Uh, and that's considered an honor. And there's all of that. And that's I get that. But it's like, I don't like this guy. Like, he's an asshole to everyone. He does and not irredeemably so irredeemably. So he is sober, but he doesn't seem to have changed at all. He has not grown as a person. He's still doing a lot of addictive and uh, like, you know, sort of like he just acts very spur of the moment. He's very unpredictable. Uh, he, you know, he, he shows up places and insults people. And he like the, that's the same. There's a number of scenes where he apologizes to someone for something that he did when he was on drugs while also being an asshole to them actively in that moment. <laughs> Well, like when he meets up with Omar Sy's character, they just get into a they live esque fight for about 45 seconds. But th that's generous to call it that because that scene is great and their fight well, is not not as well choreographed or fun. No, but in that it's two <laughs> yes. guys who don't know how to fight trying to fight. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, they fight. And no, then... the they live scene is one of the greatest fights in movie history. Yeah. Uh, get that on record. Yeah. This scene yeah. is dumb and silly <laughs> but it's yeah they fight and then what it, that scene is a great example because so bradley cooper apologizes 
and then admits that he doesn't even remember what he did because he was so far gone. And then the guy tells him what he did, which is like, you released rodents into my kitchen and then called the health inspector. And yeah. then he insults that guy more and then offers like, then the guy basically is like, well, I need a job. Uh, and so he hires him, but like, again, like that's every scene. Every scene is like, he shows up somewhere. Uh, he was, uh, terrible to this person in the past. He does not seem remorseful for the way that he treated them. Then either they're desperate enough to need his help or, I mean, with Daniel Brühl, it's like he, he basically manipulates so that a food critic played by Uma Thurman, who's absolutely wasted in this movie, uh, that she, that's a common theme too. Yeah. But like she shows up and then he like, because he shows at first he tries to get a job and Daniel Pearl's like, no. And then he basically sabotages him and is like this food critics here and she's going to destroy your restaurant unless you hire me right now. Like basically gun to his head. You have to hire me. And then he does. And we're supposed to like this guy like and also all of that pales in comparison to the clear abuse that is like that Sienna Miller's character is dealing with where she he gets her fired <laughs> and then like is constantly like verbally abusive to her. He's she's the person he's insulting in the Burger King scene. Uh, there's a whole like. Everything in it, and bear in mind this is a movie made by the Weinstein Company, is a man in power being verbally abusive and really sort of holding over the head of a woman the power that he has over her and the ability to destroy her and ruin her career. And like she has a daughter and she has no choice. And even though he keeps offering her more and more money, she keeps trying to quit, but isn't allowed to quit. And then Daniel Brühl even tries to smooth it over, but also isn't really dealing with the abuse that she's suffering. And everyone seems to think that she should like just go back and then she kisses him and right. but we're supposed to want them to have because a romantic says, you have a pretty dress right yeah which is also I insulting poses my girlfriend for a party because this other woman who only exists to save my life even though i also screwed her over uh is throwing a party and i'm gonna be real sad for one well, scene no, uh matthew reese Oh, that's the Matthew party. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then and the, she just happens to be there. She happens to be there. And then he gets sad about it. And then he has one scene where he rambles some nonsense about lying his way into a kitchen. And then she's in love with him. That's like, I just I don't like this guy. <laughs> like, I don't no. I don't want him to succeed. Also, here's the other thing, too. The thing that he wants, I don't care if it happens. He wants an, a third Michelin star. A third one. He's had two when he was a jerk, and now he wants a third one. And we're supposed to be invested in the and, idea of wanting him to get that for some reason. Right. And a third Michelin star is reserved for, like, the top 1% of chefs. But also, like, what, why do I care if he gets a I third? Don't. Yeah, like, I, here's, a, I will tell you what I, you know, what I feel like 
could have like I think there's a version of this that could have worked, but I don't think oh, for sure. I think the problem is the movie is too sympathetic towards this character and doesn't hold him accountable. Nobody in the movie holds him accountable. He doesn't suffer any real consequences. Any of the consequences they try to have, he it's just hand waved away. Like he, and you're saying the Weinstein's made this? I know, right? Shocking. But, but yeah, it's like. He, some other examples like he breaks into the restaurant of his rival and trashes the place to the point where like it has to be closed down and that guy lets him sleep on the floor does not call the police or get him arrested and then in fact makes him breakfast and tells him he's a special little boy and we all think you're better than us like no that's not how that guy reacts to he might be nice to you in that moment he might not call the police but he's not like he's not making you a delicious omelet and sending you on your way and telling you you're great and if you could just realize how because the real problem with bradley cooper's character is he didn't realize how great he was that's what he needed. So like and that was what was happening the whole time. But like I would have liked a version of this movie because they kind of had it set up where again, there's drug dealers that he owes money to who keep showing up. And then there's the point there's the terror. I obviously would not have had Santa Miller kiss him. But the scene where they're talking and then maybe they have some kind of human conversation. But then those guys show up and he goes with them and then she has to make that what I was hoping would happen, what I wanted to happen was she cooks the meal for the Michelin judges and she gets the Michelin star, even though he like he gets the credit for it because it's his restaurant, but it wasn't actually him who did it. And so it doesn't mean anything. And she's actually the chef that like yeah, your Did idea the, would imply that the movie understood his characters. But that's what I'm saying. The movie is like, no, he's great. Because here's the other thing. Here's what the movie did do that I did like. And then it chickened out on, which was one of the people that the guy uh, from the they live scene that he screwed over when the Michelin judges show up, sabotages or so it. they think. But yeah, but sabotages him. By what is it? He like throws a bunch of cayenne. He puts too much cayenne. He puts cayenne pepper in one of the sauces, so it's too spicy. Yeah, so he makes the sauce too spicy and he ruins it. And is like, that's for what you did to me. Like, and I loved it. Like, perfect. I was into that. And then the movie goes like, no, just kidding. Those weren't the Michelin judges. It's fine. I would have loved because he had a whole palm full of uh, cayenne pepper if he just like ninja dusted it into his face. Just that, that also would have been great. Yeah. Old school wrestling, like just mist, <laughs> just great yeah. Muda poison mist into it. <laughs> salt in the yeah. eyes. Yeah, that would have been good. Like, I think there were a lot of options, but like, no, the guy needed some kind of comeuppance and he needed to not get the Michelin star. Why? Or right. if he got it again, like if. Sienna Miller actually got it. And so he gets the acclaim, which is what he cares about. But then honestly, in in my version of the movie, then she quits and like goes off on her own. Right. To like, because now she knows she can get a Michelin star and he has his restaurant, but it's very like Great Gatsby. Like it's just there's it's, it's empty. Just empty shell. Yeah, it's an empty shell and it's all for show. Like that would have been a good movie, I think. Our talk there, uh, and this is a complete digression. Uh just made me think that uh, in the early 90s, Vince McMahon missed the boat by not having a wrestling chef. How did you know? How did that, how did not, that not happen? How did that not happen? Like, yeah, because that there was, was a like, cop, a plumber, a hockey player. Yeah. A yeah. race car driver, a barber. 
a guy who likes snakes. Did you say dentist? Because you know I gotta get. I didn't I, say dentist, yeah. but dentist. Yeah, you gotta get Isaac Yankum in there. You know yes. that I. <laughs> uh, why wasn't there and like why wasn't his like heel move just like blowing paprika in someone's face? Or even yeah, I mean, God, so many possibilities. Like, obviously, you can do the thing like where he makes a really fancy cake and someone falls into it. You could have done that. Like he could have. Man, imagine. Okay, you have the knives that are just a threat anyway. Yeah, so yeah, but also I was thinking like maybe he has a manager who's his sous chef and like hangs out the mater D or the mater. Oh, my God. Yeah. Much like Paul Bearer, his manager is just named the mater D and one of the he wears a full tuxedo. And then like one of the things he does is when the ref is distracted, he just throws a rolling pin into the ring for like the chef to clock or like a pan. Or a pan. There's so Why, many it's weapons. It's a frying pan. Yeah, there's so many weapons in a kitchen. Like also, so many weapons in a kitchen. Also, the late '90s were really big on like the beer truck, the milk truck. Like you could have had a wine truck. You could have had like you know just, just a truck of drawn butter. Yeah, a truck of butter. You could have just had a bunch of eggs. Like just like a, a flatbed full of like <laughs> cartons of eggs that someone like. So much possibility. They because the thing is they've done food gross out stuff, but like yeah, how did you not have a chef? How did you not have a wrestling chef? I don't get it. Named like Gordo Slamsey. I mean, that's a, I think the early 90s is a little too early for that. <laughs> okay. But. Who was who was uh, who was really popular as a chef in the early 90s? Um, I mean, Paul Prudhomme was sort of the big TV chef, I think, at that point. Yeah. But that's uh, the, there's something maybe maybe there's something there. I don't know. Also, because the chef should be French and then we, we, you know, wrestling fans don't like French people. So that's right. He's that, such an easy heel. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, also, his finisher could have been like the chef's kiss. Yeah. Oh, man. Where are you at, Vince? Like, come on, God, Vince. If you had a time issue, do it now. Screw it. <laughs> Just. Just throw back. Maybe that's what they need. They've been kind of stagnant What's creatively. What's Baron Corbin up to? Make him a chef. <laughs> it would be really funny if they, much like when they took when Triple H was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and then he just became Triple H. If they took a guy who existed now, they didn't change his name. It was like Baron Corbin, but he just got really into being a chef. He goes away for eighteen months because <laughs> he trains at the at trains at the Culinary Institute of America. Also, they have a ton of vignettes. Also, built-in feud with New Day over pancakes, for sure. Oh, yeah. Crepes versus pancakes? <laughs> it writes itself. Vince, it does. holler at your boy. Man, now I want this. Yeah. How do we make this happen? <laughs> I'll, I'll see what... I don't know. I... Davenport could design the gear. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I hope... You know to- he has chef whites that he wants to make into some badass gear. That would be, yeah, if he had, like, the chef's coat and then he, like, threw it off and had whatever, like, you know, under it, like a... Yeah. Yeah. So many possibilities. This, anyways. Oh, my God. This. Oh, my God. Sorry. Like... No, yeah. Wrestling tights that, like, on the ass of them, like, just the, like, skimpy, like, short tights, you know? Like, not the long ones, the, like, briefs. The trunks. The yeah. trunks. Like, if they just said, kiss the chef on his ass. <laughs> Like that's what he wrestled it. <laughs> oh man! Like, can we just like can we just bail on burnt and just spend the rest of the 
of the time pitching feuds for this guy. <laughs> yeah. Who, oh my God. Could you imagine him versus TL Hopper? <sighs> because what if they're a tag team before and after. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's not bad. Because I was thinking too, like, what if TL Hopper, like, uh, or maybe Duke the Dumpster, like someone like really screws up the, stu- the service at his restaurant because like the trash is backing up or like the, you know, he dumps a bunch of trash in front of the restaurant or like this is high. God, this could have been the third man because like he could have been Hunter Hearst Helmsley's private chef. That's how he debuts. Amazing. And, and then, then he could have just seamlessly been part of DX. Right. It could have been the road dog the whole time. <laughs> oh, man. And it's just Guy Fieri. That would be honestly Guy Fieri's look would fit in very well. In, in 90s WWF, and, yeah. for sure. Bleach blonde, that facial hair. If I don't know if Fury has any like tattoos that we haven't seen that are bad, like bad yeah. barbed wire arm tattoos. So that's the only thing he's missing. His look. The best description I ever heard of Guy Fieri. Um, he looks like someone cast as the son in a fifth grade play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that. That killed me. And now, coming down to the ring from Flavortown, <laughs> Guy Fieri. Oh, man. Plus, he could have been a part of that great history of people who drove vehicles to the ring. And he could have, yeah, like, could have had, a, his caddy. Could have had his caddy, great. sunglasses on the back of the head. What a missed opportunity. I, man, I think we have to keep talking about this movie, though. I don't want to. No, we but... have to get back to the movie. We have to get back to, to you burnt. To, to you burnt. Um... I, I think we have to get to just how wasted the cast of this movie is. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. So, so we already said Uma Thurman shows up in two scenes to be, as far as I can tell, lesbian food critic who had sex with Bradley Cooper is everything that we know about her. That's yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So there's her. So we already, so, uh, so that's a big she one. Has two scenes. She's British for some reason. Yeah, which didn't, I mean, it takes place in, in England, but, London. She, but she could have been American. That would have been fine. Or but, they could have cast a British actress. Not that her accent was bad or anything, just. Yeah. No, but she, she is wasted. Uh, Emma Thompson wasted. As, as the psychiatrist. She had a couple of interesting scenes, but I would still say wasted. She's yeah. an all-time great actress. Yeah, uh, who's come up on this show before, but that's all right. That, that yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, Lily uh, James has a one scene cameo as the girlfriend of the guy whose couch he sleeps on. Yeah, which also, okay, so can I sidebar for one second since you mentioned that scene? Because I wrote this down in my notes and this, uh, this I want to specific, it might sound nitpicking, but uh, no, they're not getting a pass on this from me. Who knows Alec Guinness's name? But not Obi Wan Kenobi, the guy. When when Bradley Cooper's sleeping on his couch, she's like, "Oh, he sucks," and he's like, "Oh no, but he's amazing." Like as a chef, like if you can learn from him, you do it. And he's like, "To get one Michelin star, that makes you Luke Skywalker. To get two Michelin stars, that makes you whoever Alec Guinness played. And three Michelin stars is Yoda." I just like who? <laughs> Maybe if you're. 70 <laughs> like you like, knew alec guinness if this from- movie is taking place in 1970 or 1981 because yoda's <laughs> yeah, a thing yeah like 
Yeah, obviously, Alec Guinness had a very storied career before Star Wars, but I just don't believe someone who's his age. In who's, 2013. Yeah, in 2013, someone who's like in his 20s or 30s knows it, Luke Skywalker, Yoda, but not does, Obi-Wan. But can't remember Obi-Wan's name, but knows that Alec Guinness played him. Who is that person? Unless you put like a huge bridge on the river Kwai poster <laughs> in the back of his apartment. It's the only reason he watched Star Wars is he was like, they got the guy from River Kwai. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Does he like build a bridge that then is doomed to fail? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not the strangest metaphor we've dropped on this show. Um, but yeah, so Alicia Vikander, another actress. She, Alicia Vikander is the girlfriend that shows up at the party. Uh, right. The the ex. Yes, that's his. That's his ex. Yeah, she shows up and she also she exists to show up at the party and make him sad. And then deus ex machina, the money that he owes to the drug dealers. She just she makes that go away, you know, because, again, these drug dealers who are so mad at him that they say they're going to kill him and they show up at his restaurant. But then they, I guess, lightly punch him enough so that he bruises, but not so bad that he can't do full service in a kitchen. nothing no broken bones he's like maybe kind of scratched over his temple but nothing obviously that's going to scar that beautiful face like now the money maker they're very sensitive to to kind of lightly roughing him him look roughed up but like in a sexy way yeah but not in a way that would hinder his ability to be a chef because as we're told by his solieri rival you know that uh he's too special reese another wasted actor yeah who was probably my favorite character in the movie because matthew reese is that good at playing him but also was underserved and uh, i mean also daniel brule also underserved daniel brule yes who is a great actor who I thought was such a cop out to the explanation that we get from was it from Emma Thompson I think but that the idea that Daniel Bruhl is in love with him and that's why he's doing that which is stupid sure yeah because he's such a special little guy that's the thing is it's like the movie can't believe that he's as special as he thinks that he is and that that is the biggest problem. And I'm going to keep mentioning that in as many ways as possible. Yeah. Because and I'm doing that because that's how you survive in his kitchen. You're not going to. Would I would I work there for free? Well, no, because he's a stupid asshole. See, I'm cool. I'm he respects. Would me. you pay me to work there? How much would you pay me? You dick. Ah, <laughs> uh, so dumb. It's um. Yeah. Here's a crazy yeah, thing. Just, I just I don't know if any uh, maybe we got some we picked up some some chef fans after uh, the amazing Stephanie Smart was on last week's episode. Uh, but if any like top chef fans or, or fans of cooking are listening, you know that you can make food without being an asshole. Like that's possible. That's a thing. I don't know. I whenever when even when I just pour a bowl of cereal, I just start berating whoever is nearest <laughs> me. You just throw the bowl across the room. Well, no, I eat the after I eat it because I want my delicious cinnamon checks. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, then you smash. It's very like Thor. Another. You just smash the bowl. You, you made the bowl. You can pour another bowl yourself, you jerk. Yeah. Also, did Matthew Reese like, do you think? OK, so so Bradley Cooper shows up and he's uh, high. We don't exactly know. Like he's he's drunk. Mess, he's drunk. Uh, but whatever it is, he, he, yeah, he shows up inebriated, inebriated in some way. And, um, 
to the point that Matthew Reese has to send everyone home. It's unclear what time it is. Maybe they were winding down. Anyway, it seemed like it didn't seem like it was like at the height of service or anything. But he closes the kitchen and then he makes some breakfast. But also like Bradley Cooper sleeps on the floor. So did Matthew Reese like did he sleep in the restaurant too? Like, <laughs> well, if there's one thing I learned from Good Burger is that the heart and soul of a restaurant lives at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I assume that he probably went up to the roof and uh, played with a flashing yo-yo and talked about how he never sees his dad. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so he seemed to be there. I, he clearly like changed. It looked like he maybe took a shower and changed his chef coat. But also, you're not going to leave drunk Bradley Cooper. In your restaurant overnight. In real life or Adam Jones, the chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and but the, I that, had drunk Bradley Cooper show up at my house once and I did not leave him alone for a second. No, you can't. You can't. On him like a hawk. Well, because what you really have to watch out for is not that, but you have to watch out for the hangover. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Also, another scene where no consequences happen to him. He does that. Then he goes to Emma Thompson to, like, explain to her that he fell off the wagon and then nobody cares. Yeah, this movie has. I think the only area where they might have done some research was in sort of kitchen dynamics. Well, it seemed like they're that that seemed kind of on. Well, and I mean, the character seems real. Like, I think the way that he acts rings true i think that that character could exist like he is yeah, a type it's of gordon ramsay <laughs> yeah, yeah uh so i mean that rings true but the problem is gordon ramsay is not equipped to tell the story of how the world feels about gordon ramsay because right how he uh, feels about gordon ramsay and how the people who have been verbally abused by him feel are very different and this movie uh really understands how to get over addiction you just have to shuck a million oysters yeah, which like there that was one of the IMDb things. I don't know if you have it in front of you. I didn't save it, but like they did the math on uh how many he cuz he he did like 3000 oysters his last day because we see his notebook. And so they yeah. they did the math of like how many oysters that he would have had to do. It was like 400 an hour for 11 hours or something like that. Yeah, to to just the Oh, here we go. On Adam's last day shucking oysters in New Orleans, his notebook says that he had shucked uh, 996,696. Okay, somebody just wanted to write 69 as many times as possible. Uh, nice. Oysters before starting his last day, meaning he shucked 3,304 oysters during his final shift to reach his 1 million goal. If he worked an eight-hour shift on that final day without a single break, he would have had to shuck 413 oysters per hour which breaks down to seven oysters per minute are one oyster every eight to nine seconds. Constantly, not stopping. Nonstop. Yeah. I believe someone could shuck an oyster, especially a professional could shuck an oyster that quickly, but probably not at that rate for eight hours. Well, that's the thing is like, yeah, maybe but if was, you do, your addiction is cured. That's it. That's what you do. And then you write it in a notebook and then you throw that notebook off a bridge. That's yep. how you care. No, I mean, that is, again, the biggest thing is like, one, it doesn't hold him accountable for everything. But two, he doesn't change at all. He acts like an addict, even though he's not 
using anything. He treats everyone terribly. He's shows no remorse for any of the ways that he wronged people in the past. And in fact, continues the exact behaviors that have hurt them in the past to them in the present. Um, he is chasing this Michelin star as a current high that he wants to achieve. And, uh, the movie seems to think that we should want that. And it in fact ends with him seemingly getting it, but then, so then he's going to crash. Like, the real version of this character uses drugs very shortly after the end of this movie because, like, he got the Michelin star and didn't fix his oh, life. He just goes on a ski trip. Just yeah, yeah, because yeah. he doesn't powder everywhere. Because why would he change his behavior? No one at any point in this story has like hindered him from doing exactly what he wants at every moment. And definitely Sienna Miller, like I, I hope for her, gets away from him at some point. And then he which is actually what Daniel Brühl like says is going to happen anyway, is that like within three weeks, she's going to be gone. And so she'll leave and then he'll so like he'll crash from the Michelin star. He'll crash from losing her. And this dude's using again. And then he's burning this bridge. He's destroying all the goodwill that he built up. And then I guess he goes to shuck another million oysters and then does it all again. <laughs> And gets a f the first ever fourth Michelin star. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Should we pivot? Ah, uh, the food shot real beautiful. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Is that it? Is that? Do you, I mean, we can call it if you want. I... Uh, we should try harder. Okay. I was I was looking for the button. I was gonna I was gonna I, hit know, the... I understand. Yeah. Um I, I I do understand. But this is we watched Caddyshack 2, and I think we went harder at this movie. Well, because Caddyshack 2 is bad and it's a bad time, but this yeah. movie again, it just it's like you said, it's sort of a middling drama in general, but I think its biggest sin and the one that did really annoy me is like it just didn't understand the story it was telling or what like what like there's a version of this that could redeem this character but that's not the version we got and i'm curious because this movie was in uh like production hell for so long maybe the original script had more of that and maybe that got sanded out of it or changed, you know, and they like because I would be curious because like there, it seems like there are instincts to hold him accountable. Like the fact that the one of his chefs sabotages and the fact that there are uh, people that he still owes money to who are tracking him down. The fact that Sienna Miller quits the first time that he's terrible to her all, all indicate an awareness. But then the movie kind of just shies away from it at every like every time you think that he's going to suffer a consequence it lets him off the hook and so i think like yeah i i think i'm more passionate about it because like it's sort of i don't know if everybody remembers the episode of community with jason manzoukas where uh annie is doing the karate kid and like he's being really mean to chang and then she's like, I'm the star. And he's just like, Daniel LaRusso isn't the star. It's, you know, um, like it, Pat Morita, like he, you know, like. And so it's that of like, I'm being harder on this movie than Caddyshack 2, because I know that's the best Caddyshack 2 could do. So it's fine. <laughs> but this movie could have been good. Now, they're, they're, you could make a good movie about because a redemption story. They've made countless good redemption stories. Oh, yeah. 
And like and they're, it, they're paying my numbers, sure. And even but, like in this vein of not necessarily. Well, I mean, first of all, like Bradley Cooper went on to try this again, essentially with a star is born. Like, uh, but like, you know, you have Crazy Heart, like which is a movie I really like. Like you, there's there's countless versions of guy who was really speaking big. of burnt bridges. <laughs> Tony Stark played a beautiful solo in a cave. Well, For- <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, but like they could have this movie would have been better if they did a paint by numbers redemption story. Yeah. Yeah. You, he either needed to pivot and become better. Like, I guess you could have done the thing where like he got involved in Sienna Miller's life and he spent more because also like that one scene with the daughter is weird. Like the, we talked about the cake, but like where he's sitting there and he's like licking icing. Like I don't, it's it's odd and it doesn't fit with anything else and it doesn't. There's, they don't have any more of a relationship. And in fact, it seems pretty clear that that daughter is aware that he's a monster because her mom probably comes home and is like, oh, God, this guy's like, a nightmare. You're the ogre. Yeah. Like, she's very aware that he's a bad person. Probably because her he mom is. was like, look, if that guy ever talks to you, like, I'm going to take you to the restaurant because it's your birthday and my boss is a jerk and he didn't let me off work. But if he comes up and talks to you, just stay away. Just stay with Daniel Brule. He's really nice. <laughs> Like, uh, but we're pivoting. Sorry. Sorry. We're pivoting. Yeah, so the so, food was shot beautifully. The food was shot beautifully. And I mean that that might sound like a cop out, but it really was like, and I, I am someone, uh, having mentioned chef and the chef show and, and all of those things. I, I love a good, uh, beautifully shot plate of food. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the chef's yeah. table on Netflix. Are you kidding me? Like you, you make that food look pretty and you get that lighting good and you shoot it well. I, that works for me. I I love looking at plates of food that are, are well executed, even if they're fancy boy, not Burger King food. So that and Matthew Reese, right? So that's that Matthew Reese. Yeah, Matthew Reese was great. Uh, wish that he had played the main character. Just I think like it would have been interested in his take on it. Uh, which I don't even know. Like, I don't even think Bradley Cooper was the problem, but I just I didn't like the character. And I like I find Matthew Reese like more inherently likable. Especially playing sometimes terrible care. Like, I really liked him in Perry Mason. Like, that dude is good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I liked Sienna Miller. I thought the movie sold her out, but I thought she was good in the role. I would agree with that. Like, I I liked the scenes where she got agency and she got to yell at him and want to quit. Like, those are good. Again, my version of the movie is that she gets the Michelin star and then she leaves. Like, I would have been in a... Which is a star restaurant. Yeah, which is a star is born, I guess. But yeah, that is pretty much a star is born. I didn't really realize that when I pitched it, but it's fine. It's fine. But they, that movie did great. And they made three it times. I was going to say they made it three times already. So it, it could like it three sh- first shot remakes. Yeah. Here's the question. If they had done that version, do you think Bradley Cooper still makes a star is born? <laughs> like, do you think he just does it twice? Yes, <laughs> I do, too. I, he did the hangover three times. And all great. That's why we've never done any of them on the show. Because yeah, they're no, all too good. Those movies. Yeah. Uh, if they we ever, aged well. They aged well. Everything's great. Uh, nothing problematic. Really good use of Zach Galifianakis. Like, really playing yeah. to his strengths. Yeah, if there's one thing we know on this podcast is that Joel likes making fun of the mentally ill. <laughs> it's not a thing. It's not true. It is not Let's true. Let's go back and listen. Don't. There's nothing to go back and listen to. Don't listen to Andy. He's... <laughs> <laughs> um no I, like i do think this is the closest we've ever come to getting defeated no 
No, Caddyshack 2 was the closest we ever... What did we even... I don't remember what our silver linings for Caddyshack 2. Was it the puppet? I think it might have been the puppet. <laughs> um, or the... <laughs> Anyways, no. Um, just, I, like... Just because I think, I think you're right. This movie had potential to be at least a good, if not somewhat forgettable, redemption story. Yeah, and it, the thing is, it got out chef by chef. I'm glad Chef got the name because that movie did... Not that I... That wasn't as much like a redemption story in the way this was. But still, that was the same kind of thing of like, that movie did well. The things that this movie did not do well. It's yeah. the... Whatever one's good between... Dante's Peak and Inferno versus the other volcano. one, or Volcano, yeah. Versus, I think the, Volcano's the good one. Which, yeah, it's that, or it's the uh, Armageddon to its Deep Impact. I don't know which one. A deep Impact's the better movie. Okay, I'm just gonna fine. put that out there. That's fine. Um, right. you know they should have called Burnt a Star Is Earned. Andy, and even. Did you just come up with that? Has that been I your back? I just came up with that. That, yeah, that just so, popped into my head. That is so good. That is, I wish I had hit the music right there. That should have been the end. Let's let it be the end. Okay. Well, I mean, do you want to say it again? I feel like <laughs> let's pretend that you're saying it for the first time, but you're gonna. You know. You know what they should have called this movie? What should they have called it? A star is earned. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris and this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. See, that was a great show.